in chapter 36, and we do read in that chapter, Now it came to pass that in the 14th year, King Hezekiah, that Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshaka. Uh, the Rabshaka is not a name, it's a title. And so Rabshaka, the title here, means that he is uh, probably equivalent to um, the chief of staff uh, to the king of Assyria, who is Shennacherib at this time. So Rabshaka, or the chief of staff, has a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. Now that may sound familiar to you because that was the place that Isaiah meant Ahaz there in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah. So um, here we've been talking about how the Assyrians were the powerhouse of the time that this has taken place. And as we are told that it's in the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, Hezekiah began to his reign when uh, in 715 BC. So this has taken place about 700, 701 BC. Uh, and Hezekiah was, uh, was um, you know, reigning. He's 39 years old. And Hezekiah was a godly king. Now, to kind of set the stage here, what's been going on, we've talked a little bit about it, that it was Isaiah that you remember that in the year that King Uzziah died, that uh, Isaiah would start his ministry. In chapter 6, you recall that in the year that King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He has this vision of the Lord, and the Lord commissions him to ministry as uh, the, the Lord uh, would say, who will go for us? And Isaiah responded by saying that I will, Lord. So Uzziah, he had been king for like 52 years, we are told, and he was a very strong king of Judah. He was one that uh, made the, the nation strong. Keep in mind that at that time that there was the southern kingdom of, of made up of Judah and Benjamin, those two tribes that made up the house of Judah, and then the ten northern tribes that made up the house of Israel. And Uzziah comes on the scene. He was an inventor of military weaponry. He was one that advanced agricultural practices. He fortified the cities. The, the, Judah was very strong at that time. So he reigned for over a half a century. And Uzziah, at the end of his life, he becomes very prideful. And he goes into the temple, and he's burning incense there. And the priests come in, 80 of them. And they said, Uzziah, you can't do that. That's the ministry of the priest, not the king. And Uzziah said that, bug off, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And he was struck with leprosy. So even though he was a good king, he was beneficial in the things that he did to Judah, he ended up being struck with leprosy at that time uh, because of his pride, because he was in the temple where he shouldn't have been. So that's where Isaiah would now come on the scene and begin to minister. And after uh, Uzziah comes on the scene, there's Jothan. He reigns for about 16 years. He's a fairly de decent king. And then after him, Ahaz comes on the scene. Now you remember that as he's the king of Judah, he was a terrible king. He was probably one of the worst kings, Ahaz and Manasseh. 
the two worst kings of Judah. And Ahaz was not right with the Lord. He reigns for 16 years. And you recall that in chapter 7, that it was Isaiah that came to Ahaz there at the same place, at the aqueduct from the upper pool and on the highway to the fuller's field. And Ahaz was very upset. You see, at that time, there was uh, reason, and, and there was Pekah, reason, the king of Syria, Pekah, the king of Israel. They formed this alliance, and they were going to come, and they were going to kill um, Ahaz and, and to put their own king on the throne. And we also know, as you read 2 Kings chapter 18, that what had happened, that Israel had come into Judah and had uh, gone to war with them and taken many captives away. Matter of fact, it tells us that 200,000 were taken away captive by Israel. So Ahaz is very much afraid. He's thinking, they're going to kill me. Isaiah comes on the scene and he says, listen, Ahaz, you need to trust in the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord given to you, that this alliance isn't going to work. Um, they're not going to kill you. And you need to believe the word of the Lord or you will not be established. And you see, that's so important for you and I as Christians, that when we are faced with fear, when we are faced with difficulties, that we believe the word of the Lord so that we can be established in the Lord, established in his promises, established in wisdom, established in strength. But Ahaz would not believe. And we know that Ahaz, he, he wouldn't ask for a sign, even though Isaiah said, ask for a sign, ask it in the heavens and, and in the earth and under the earth. And he said, I won't do that because his heart wasn't right with the Lord. So we also know that what would happen at that time is that a promise was given to him. The Lord's going to give you a sign. And that is a woman's going to, uh, that is a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. That is God with us. So Ahaz plunged the nation, Judah, deep into idol worship. Uh, they were sacrificing their sons on the arms of Moloch in the Gehenna Valley. Baal worship. We also know that it was Ahaz that he makes a peace treaty or tries to with the king of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser. And he gives them gold and silver from the temple. And, and Tiglath-Pileser takes it, but he's not going to help Ahaz. And in 732 BC, what takes place is that here's the Assyrians. You've got to remember that the other nations feared the Assyrians. They were brutal. They were horrible. They would come in and they would wipe you out. And they tortured many people. They would put fish hooks into your mouths and drag you off into captivity. So they were afraid of them. And of course, you have remembered in our lessons, particularly in chapter 30 and 31, that that's why it was Israel, and that's why it was Judah. They were tempted to make these alliances with Ethiopia and Egypt, and the Lord is saying, trust in me, just as he told Ahaz. Ahaz wanted to, to figure out a plan. How is he going to stop this alliance? How is he going to stop the Syrian and Israel who, who wanted to put their own king on so maybe all three of us can come against the Assyrians? It was very difficult times that they are facing here. So Ahaz 
plunging the nation deep into idol worship. Here comes Israel, takes many off into captivity. They would end up coming back. We also know that the Edomites would come and take some away captive. And we know that the Philistines were defeating Judah. So they were very weak at this time, at the time Ahaz is ruling over the nation. And we also know that it was Ahaz that went up, as you read 2 Kings uh, chapter uh, 18 there, or chapter 16, uh, that uh, it was uh, Tiglath-Pileser that's sitting on the throne in Damascus. And, and so Ahaz goes up to, to see him and to thank him for doing in the king of Assyria, just as Isaiah said would happen. And as he's there, he sees this idol that the king of Assyria is worshiping. And he said, I like that idol. I'm going to have my high priest make one and put it in the temple there in Jerusalem. And we've discussed that in 2 Kings chapter 16, that we, the church, need to be careful. That we don't allow the things of the world to come into this house of the Lord. Because it can be very tempting to do that. And I pray that as we come here, that this is a place we can get away from the world and come and really focus on the Lord and study truth. So that's the kind of king Ahaz was. So he ends up dying, and then his son comes on the scene, which is Hezekiah, in 715 B.C., and Hezekiah is a godly king. And you can read about his reign in 2 Kings chapters 18 through 20 and 2 Chronicles chapter 29 through 32. And what he did was the first thing he called for the priests and the Levites. And he began to clean up the temple. You see, Ahaz had closed off the temple. It was full of idols. And he said, I want you guys to clean up the temple. I want you to, to get all the trash out of it and get all the idols out of the temple. Open it back up for temple worship. So temple worship was established once again. And revival is happening during the days of Hezekiah. And, and as we look at it and read those chapters, we also know that Hezekiah would institute the Passover once again. And I've read this verse to you in Second Chronicles 30 that Hezekiah, as he established the, the, the Passover, uh, also the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. Now many people, a very great assembly, gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month. And they rose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And they took away all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. And then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day, the second month, that is the month of Nisan. So it's a great celebration that's happening. The word of the Lord is spreading. Revival is taking place. Hezekiah is a great godly king. They're celebrating Passover. And you know what? Do a study on Passover. Because it's interesting in the Old Testament that in the book of Exodus, when Passover was instituted, that's when they became a nation. When they, they left Egypt, uh, when they celebrated Passover, and they were told to celebrate it, what, every year? It was a perpetual covenant that you are to celebrate Passover. When you read the Old Testament, very few times is it ever mentioned that they celebrated Passover during the time that they were out in the wilderness and the time that uh, they would go into um, the promised land and, and they divided their, um, the land up into their allotments. It doesn't mean they didn't, but it's not really mentioned. We know that during the days of the judges, they probably didn't celebrate Passover. It's not mentioned with David or Solomon. 
And matter of fact, really the only times that I can think about going through the Old Testament is when Hezekiah celebrated it. And then Josiah also, the last of the good guys of Judah right after this, celebrate Passover to where it is told to us in Second Chronicles that as Passover had not been celebrated like that since the days of the judges. So Passover was something that they were told to do every year but we don't really see that happen, and that's interesting. So Hezekiah is this godly king that has established, you know, um, the command that obey the word of the Lord, and, and things are happening, and things are good at this time as you read it. But also, he wasn't the perfect king as well. And we know that as you go to Second Kings chapter 18, that Hezekiah, that he was one that initially that what he did when he heard that the Assyrians were coming and they began to make their way into Judah and here they are um, taking some of the cities away captive just as we're told in chapter 36 here and um, they begin to get closer to Jerusalem. Let me read it to you in um, 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 11. Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria Put them in Hala by the harbor, and the river goes on, and the cities of the Medes. Now, 732 B.C., Syria is captured. And then the two and a half tribes that were on the east side of the Jordan River, the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Reuben, half of the tribe of Manasseh, they go off into captivity. Ten years later, the other rest of the house of Israel, the other tribes are taken off into captivity as well. So Hezekiah comes on the scene. He's the king when the house of Israel has gone off into captivity. And here the Assyrians are making their way uh, to uh, the area of, of Judah. And we again read in chapter 18 of 2 Kings that in the 14th year, King Hezekiah, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. So verse 1 of chapter 36 at this time, here is Assyria, that they're taking the cities of Judah, uh, you know, um, away and, and, and uh, coming against them. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, so when they're at Lachish here, and we compare it to what we just read, that they were there um, before they come and surround Jerusalem, here is King Hezekiah. He's afraid, and he, he says that I have done wrong, and, and turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assess Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. And at that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple and, and of the Lord and from the pillars of uh, which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. So here is Assyria. Here is Shennacherib. They are at Lachish. They're coming into Judah. And then all of a sudden, Rabshakeh, according to what we just read here, he comes to Jerusalem. And while they're at Lachish, Hezekiah is very much afraid. So he tries to make a peace treaty with the king of Assyria, Shennacherib. I'll pay you off. I've done wrong. Here's some silver. Here's, here's some gold. He, he takes the gold off the doorpost uh, of the temple and pays them off. And here comes Shennacherib, and he begins to threaten them. So this is all that has taken place here as we read this. And we continue um, in verse 3. And Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, who was over the household, 
Shepna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to him. So here's Hezekiah's uh, officials that come out. And then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? I say you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Here are some things that, as if you're taking notes, maybe in your margin or if you're taking notes here tonight, that when the enemy comes against us, that the enemy Satan uses the same tactics that we see that are being used here by Assyria and Shennacherib. And number one, what the enemy will do is begin to mock. He begins to mock us. In whom do you trust? You know, in whom do you trust? Hey, you're in trouble. Are you going to trust the broken reed of uh, verse 6? You're trusting the staff of the broken reed of Egypt on which if a man leads, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. And, and so the mocking is here. And in a sense, um, Rabshakeh is right. Egypt wasn't going to help them. They thought if maybe we can get Egypt on our side with Ethiopia and, and maybe we can stop the Assyrians and we'll trust in them. And chapter 30 and 31 again, the Lord said, Woe to the rebellious children of Israel, for you take counsel but not of me. You're going to Egypt. And Egypt is not going to help you. It's going to be your humiliation and your shame. And you need to come to me, but you would not. And to wait on me, but you won't. And now you're not going to hear from me. And so the Lord is telling them to come to him and trust in him. And so this mocking begins, and, and that's what Satan does with you and me. He, he will begin to mock, and he's the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. Hey, what are you going to do? You know, what's this that you're trying to figure out a plan? You think that you can get out of this situation? He just mocks us, and he continues to do that even as we go into to verse 7. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he who high places and who altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? You know, he, he speaks against their trust in God. And he's speaking of things that he knows nothing about. You tore down those altars, the high places. Now, Hezekiah did do that for a good reason, right? Because as I read to you in 2 Kings chapter 18, that they burnt those altars in the valley of Kedron. Those altars where they did idol worship, the high places were taken down so they couldn't go and do false worship and commit all kinds of immorality and things like that. Hezekiah got rid of all those things. But here we see that the mocking continues in saying, you shouldn't have done that. You know, God is not going to be pleased with you. And even though he doesn't know what he's talking about, the, the enemy does that to us, the accuser of the brethren, when he mocks us. You didn't read your Bible enough. You haven't been to church enough. You're not serving enough. You really messed up last week. You know, and he begins to remind us of our shortcomings and our failings. And he's very good about that. And Hezekiah here, as he's receiving these threats now, the mocking begins. Who are you going to trust in? Why did you do that? 
You know, you shouldn't have taken away those high places. God's not going to be pleased with you. God doesn't love you. He's not going to protect you. And I'm sure that some of us, we've heard that whisper in our ears before. And I want to remind us that it's very important that as Hezekiah, he did wrong at first. He's afraid, and he tries to pay off the, the enemy, tries to appease him, make a peace treaty with him. You can never make a peace treaty with the enemy because he's going to keep coming at you. And he's going to begin to mock you. And he's going to remind you how you fall short in, in your Christian walk with the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. In verse 8, Now therefore I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses, if you're able on your part to put riders on them. And how then will you repel, um, repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? He speaks about their army strength. With the mocking then comes intimidation. Give a pledge to my master. You know, the enemy wants to intimidate to where we give up. We're in despair. It seems like there's no hope whatsoever. And then in verse 10, Have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. So not only is there mocking, not only is there intimidation, but then thirdly, there is confusion. Matter of fact, Shaka says that God sent me to the city to take it. God's not on your side. And the enemy loves to cause confusion with us. He mixes up the word, the Lord doesn't love you, he, he's disgusted with you, he, he's going to leave you, and you know, he's not going to work on your behalf, his promises aren't true. And that's what's happening here. Just the intimidation and the bullying and the confusion that, that the enemy is trying to cause is what he does with us as well in our own Christian life. God sent me here. You know, God told me to come here to take your city. He's not on your side. And we can believe the lies of the enemy. And Hezekiah could have very easily thought, you know, why, that's maybe why Assyria is so powerful and successful. Maybe God is on their side. And God doesn't hold to his word and his promises. He doesn't love us. And have you ever felt in your life that maybe the Lord was against you? And I want you to remember that his word is true and he's not against any of us. He may call us to repent, but he wants us to be established in his truth that he is for us. He's already proved that by sending his son to die on Calvary's cross for us. And then in verse 11, then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it and do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are, are on the wall. And then the Rabshakeh said in verse 12, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink of their own waste with you? He's getting pretty brutal here, isn't he? Hey, can you speak in Aramaic? We understand it, but the people up on the wall, we don't want them to hear you speaking in Hebrew, and they'll get discouraged. And they knew that if the people continue to hear the words of Rafshaka, then they're, they're going to get discouraged and feel hopeless. But he gets more, ang he gets more angry. He gets more mean. And he threatens more, and he puts fear into the people. 
I'll tell you this. The enemy mocks and he intimidates and he causes confusion. But one of his greatest weapons is to cause fear into our lives. I don't know about you, but it's true with me. As I've journeyed through life, that one of the things, if he can grip you in fear, then what happens is we can end up making bad decisions. If we are gripped with fear and just that uncertainty and, and, and it's a powerful emotion, then we begin to make a plan. We begin to, how can I get out of this? We begin to rely on our own strength. And rather than waiting on the Lord and looking to him, and what can happen in those times where we become very fearful is we begin to make bad decisions. You see, that's what Ahaz, his father, did. He's full of fear. He's trying to come up with his own plan. He wasn't right with the Lord as it was. And, and this, this is the word of the Lord. It's not going to happen. But Ahaz wouldn't believe it. So he rips off the gold and the silver, and he sends it off to, you know, Tiglath-Pileser at that time, and Tiglath-Pileser takes the goods, but he's going to not be of any help to Ahaz, is what 2 Kings chapter 16 tells us. Didn't help him one bit. And here's Hezekiah full of fear. He sends gold and silver as Shennacherib's at Lachish, just right down the road from Jerusalem. Well, you know, I've done wrong. Will you take this? Will you turn away from me? And Shennacherib says, I'll take the goods, but I'm going to keep coming. And you guys are in big trouble. And who says God you're trusting in? And you guys, you can't trust in anybody. You can't trust in the Lord. Look what Hezekiah has done. He's broken down the altars. And you're going to be eating your own waste. And they were gripped with fear. That's something that we need to be careful of. And Hezekiah learned from his dad that I'll just give him gold and silver and try to pay him off. That's why it's very important, moms and dads and grandparents or whoever that we minister to, that when we find ourselves with the Assyrians breathing down our backs and we find ourselves in difficulties, that we make good decisions. That we stop and we look to the Lord and we stand on his promises and that the word of the Lord given to us is don't be afraid. So many times men of faith were afraid. Abraham was afraid after he had gone up north and saved Lot and defeated those kings who took him away captive and he comes back with the spoils and the next chapter in chapter 15 of Genesis it says that he was exceedingly afraid. And the Lord said, you don't have to be. Moses was afraid. Joshua was afraid, told not to be afraid by the Lord. We know that David even became afraid. And you see, when we become afraid, when we are being mocked by the Lord, when we are being confused, there's something that can happen. We can begin to pull away from the Lord and begin to rely on Egypt and other things in our own strength rather than drawing close to the Lord. We need to draw close to Him and remember Him and His promises are true and that He is for you. So here is all of this that's taken place and, and, and the people are becoming afraid now. And, and we read in, in verse 13, Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and said, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you. 
for he will not be able to deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present, and come out to me, and every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree. Every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware, verse 18, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? And where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? And where are the gods of Sephiroth? And indeed, they have delivered Samaria from my hand. And who among all the gods, verse 20, of these lands that delivered their countries from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? So what we see here in this section is there is deception that is there, that God can't help you, don't believe Hezekiah, and telling them to rebel. Come on out, surrender, Everything will be okay. Listen, this is important as well because as we're being mocked and we're being intimidated, as confusion comes in and then we begin to be gripped with fear, all of a sudden the enemy, what he does, he goes for the knockout punch. And he begins to bring that deception that will lead you to rebelling against the Lord. God can't help you. Don't believe that pastor over there at Calvary Chapel that's teaching you the Bible. Don't believe your guys in your Bible study, your, your man's group that's telling you to do what's right and to obey the Lord. The Lord hasn't helped you. Has the Lord helped you? If he helped you, you wouldn't be in this situation that you're in. And you see, that's a very subtle trick of the enemy. Why don't you come with us? And things will be okay. Why don't you come to the bar and hang out with us and have some drinks and let's go party a little bit. Let's go take some drugs. Let's go, you know, do these things. Let's go be carnal. Let's, let's do this because it's going to be better for you. You have your own vineyard, your own fig tree to eat from and all of this. And it's deception at least to rebellion. And listen, we have choices to make when we have Assyria coming against us, whether we're going to, again, believe the word of the Lord. And as we go to him to stand firm with him and wait on him and to trust in him. But the enemy is relentless. And he's going to come at you in these ways to try to lead you away from the Lord, to lead you away from the Lord. When we need to be, when our heart is overwhelmed, to be drawn close to the Lord. And I pray that we would be like David in Psalm 61. I, I love this psalm. That David writes, Hear my cry, O God, and attend to my prayer. And from the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. And lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. And I will abide in your tabernacle forever. And I will trust in the shelter of your wings. When we find ourselves, as he says, from the end of the earth, I will cry out to you that you feel like you're at the end of your world. You have a choice whether you're going to give in to the lies of the world and the enemy and the fear that grips you, and the deception is told to you, and go your own way or cry out to the Lord. 
And I pray that if any of you here tonight are feeling the pressure of Assyria or the difficulties, that we would be like David who's out there in the wilderness. And he's saying, from the ends of the earth, I will cry out to you, O Lord, because you are my rock. And you're to shelter my high tower from my enemies. And I will trust in the shelter of your wings, Lord. To know that he is for us and his promises are true and he sees us. And that's what Hezekiah is facing right now. And Hezekiah, even though he wasn't perfect and he tried to pay off the Assyrians, we're going to see as we continue next week that he's going to trust in the Lord. And the word of the Lord is going to come to Isaiah to assure him deliverance. And he's going to be established in that. So tonight, as we just take a few minutes here to go to the Lord, as the messengers go back as you finish the chapter and they tell Hezekiah they didn't answer Rabshakeh anything. And he, they said, you know, this is what was said. Hezekiah is going to go to the Lord and the leaders. And we're going to go to the Lord. And know this, that his promises are true for you. He's going to fight for you. Do what's right. It's so important that we let the Lord determine how we react in a situation rather than letting the world or Egypt determine how we react or letting the enemy get the best of us as he'll try to pull us away from the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for this chapter. There's so much that's here. and Lord, we thank you that we can come and just read this and so much history this really happened 2700 years ago and and here's hezekiah just gripped with with fear and compromises at first but then he realizes that egypt can't help him the enemy's going to come against him full force and his only help is the lord so I want to pray tonight for those who are here tonight, maybe just going through difficulties and feeling that the enemy mock and try to cause confusion, intimidate and bully, establish fear in you. The Lord, that we would go to you and call out to you. That we wouldn't compromise or give in to the deception of the enemy, but even as Isaiah said, believe the word of the Lord and you will be established. That you are true. You're mighty God that can work in any situation. And that we would wait on you. Call out to you. Hide under the shadow of your wings, Lord. So Lord, I pray for those who are really going through it, maybe. And maybe perhaps tempted to try to compromise or do it the world's way, contrary to the word of God. Believe in the lies that God can't help you or doesn't love you. Trying to pull you away from being in that place of safety and security in the Lord. I pray that you would, Lord, give us assurance, a deliverance. You've already delivered us from sin and from eternal Death, Lord, you've saved us. And Lord, you're going to work on our behalf. So Lord, I pray that we would have confidence in you and in your word and in your ways. Lord, I thank you for tonight. And I thank you for the reminder of this story told to us to remind us that you are one. 
that cares for your people. And Lord, that we are to seek you in every way, every day. So Lord, bless everyone here as we go our way. I pray that, Lord, tonight even, even as Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord, I thank you for those who are in this house. But Lord, we would continue on with you and seeking you, coming to you, believing your word. Father, bless everyone here as we go home with the peace that passes understanding. Because we know that we don't have to be afraid, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be known to God and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. That is a promise that you've given to us. So Lord, we do that right now. Those who maybe are going through health issues or marital issues or with with our children, maybe in financial issues or business, whatever the case is, Lord. And we can be confused and wonder and be intimidated by the accuser or the brethren, be gripped with fear. Lord, help us to rest in you, trust in you. So I thank you for these reminders tonight. Take us all home safely now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.